Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together. Glad that you are with us as we continue our study of the book of Isaiah. But first, today is a good day. Today is a really, really good day. You know why? King Jesus made this day. He is reigning over heaven and earth. We used to say this is 2022 AD, Anno Domini, right? The year of our Lord. And what that means is the year of the reign of the Lord Jesus. I think we Christians ought to bring that back. And every time we talk, every time we mention the year, we say it's 2022 AD, year of our Lord Jesus, year of the reign of our Lord Jesus. If Jesus is reigning, that means today is a good day. We can rejoice and be glad in it. You know, there's a lot of voices, a lot of voices in this world wanting you to be fearful, to be down and discouraged, wanting you to look at the negative of everything. The command of Jesus Christ, your king, is rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always. How many ways are Always, how many days are included in the time frame of always? Would that include today? Oh, yeah, that includes today. Always rejoice. You can rejoice. You can find things to rejoice in today because Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the grave to give you a foretaste that you will rise after you die. And in the meantime, he heaps and lavishes blessing upon blessing on us. So rejoice and be glad for this is the day the Lord has made. Well, we're going to continue with our study of Isaiah and I'm going to go back and I know I keep doing this, but you know, I've, I've told you one of the things I want to do is help you become a better student of the Bible. I don't want to just teach you what I see, but I want you to learn to see more and more for yourself. And one of the most important lessons that you can learn is to read and reread and reread passages because again they're they're the 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 unpacking that's kind of an overused word in Christian circles but there there are themes there are, there are associations there's stories that are being told there there are there's a flow to the argument and the revelation and the the teaching and we miss the associations if we just grab a couple of verses think about it pray about it move on so we're going to go back and catch the flow and and remember I've told you uh, I'm kind of giving you my hypothesis. There's there's a, a lot here in Isaiah that I'm still trying to sort through myself. And so I appreciate the feedback and the the um, the comments that you're making along the way. And so I want to go back and I've got this working model, this working theory of what may be the story being told here. And uh, and then we'll see if it if it bears up to scrutiny. So part of doing that is to go back and catch the flow. So back to 23. Uh, at the end, we're talking about Tyre, the uh, the destruction of Tyre. Uh, God has included this wicked, arrogant city, Tyre, uh, in his destruction as uh, Assyria is going to come and, and 
conquer all the all the nations, including uh, Israel, Judah. Well, they won't get all the way with Judah. That'll be Nebuchadnezzar later. But they're gonna they're gonna do some damage to Judah. We've seen that. And Tyre, this uh, this wealthy but wicked city of Tyre, is going to be destroyed. And then we are told that in seventy years, uh, Tyre will be like a harlot who is forgotten, but then she starts her business again, and she goes back to her harlot's wages, and then it says here, she'll play the harlot with the kingdoms on the face of the earth. So Assyria conquers all the nations, but then kingdoms rebuild, and Tyre is able to sell her wares again to those nations. But this time it says her gain... And her harlot's wages will be set apart for the Lord. It will not be stored up or hoarded, but her gain will become sufficient food and choice attire for those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. So somehow the wealth of the nations here, of Tyre at least, is going to be presented to the Lord. So that's interesting. And most of that at least fits well with the the pre-586 conquering by Assyria. The whole idea of the wealth being brought to the Lord, that raises different questions, doesn't it? All right, so I'm not going to rehearse all of this. I, I want to I actually go fairly quickly through this as we've gone slowly. I now want to go quickly and just see if, if some of the things we've been talking about, uh, if it fits. So remember this next section, I think, or at least the working hypothesis is, this earth is the land of Jerusalem, Judah the southern kingdom, the Lord's people. Uh, I've already made the case for that in previous uh, videos, so if you have uh, not been with us, then you got to go back and watch those because I'm not going to make that case again. But um, my assumption here is earth, it's the Hebrew word eretz, and it's the Greek word gay, if you happen to know those languages. And it does not always mean the entire globe, cosmos, but it means a a land, a region, a country, a nation, sort of. So I think the land here, the earth here, is uh, is Judah and Jerusalem. So again, I'm not going to establish that again. I'm just going to assume that as we go. Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste. So I'm probably going to translate it now when I read it as land, just to just to because because it is translated land many times in the Bible. So just to keep keep us focused on what I'm. Uh, working toward. And for those of you listening and are not watching where you can see the Bible translation here, if you're driving your car or working out, which you need to be doing, um, uh, I'm just going to translate this word land. Behold, the Lord lays the land waste, devastates it, distorts it, its surface and scatters its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priest and the servant like his master. Remember, that's all are going to be devastated. Everyone, no one escapes, no matter their rank. The land will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The land mourns and withers. The world fades and withers. The exalted people of the land fade away. So the the high-ranking people, everybody. The land is polluted by its inhabitants for, and here's part of the justification for seeing this as the land of the Jews, they have transgressed laws, violated statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. So the Jewish people have broken God's laws. The everlasting covenant here, I believe, is the Sabbath, and I've already laid the groundwork for that in a previous video. 
And because of their destruction, their violation of the law, God is going to bring the curses on them that he promised in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus uh, 16, I think it is, and other places. Therefore, a curse devours the land, right? That's what we talked about, the curses of the old covenant. And those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the land are burned and few men are left. New wine mourns, the vine decays, all the merry-hearted sigh, the gaiety of tambourine ceases. And he, he just goes on with all of this terminology of how the celebrating, the, the feasting, all the joys of God's people and all the rejoicing in his blessings, they are no more because God has destroyed the land, the temple, houses, everything. And here's, here's key for where we're going in chapter 26 today. The city of chaos is broken down. He's referring to Jerusalem here as the city of chaos. And if you remember, this is uh, that word tahu, which is the same as in Genesis 1, the earth was formless and void. That's one of those words as tahu. And the Lord came and the spirit came and brought the order to it. Well, now the city, this uh, ordered city, this, this God city, city of David is broken down. It's destroyed. Every house shut up that none may enter it. There's an outcry in the streets concerning the wine and all joy. It turns to gloom. Desolation is left in the city. And we will see that word uh, again and again here in Isaiah of the desolation, the loneliness, the, uh, uh, the, uh, what's the, what's the phrase we use? The, um, oh, what's the, <laughs> man, my thesaurus is just not working these days. Um, Ghost town. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. It's like a, it's like a ghost town. For thus it will be in the midst of the earth or the land among the peoples, as the shaking of an olive tree, as the gleanings, when the grape har- harvest is over. Again, this idea that most of the peoples are going to be shaken out, and there'll just be a few left. And then Isaiah sees this joy shouting. They raise their voices. They shout for joy. The cry from the west concerning the majesty of the Lord. Therefore glorify the Lord in the east in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the coastlands. From the ends of the earth we hear songs, glory to the righteous one. So Isaiah sees there's there's people all over the world, all over from east to west, praising the Lord. This seems like a good thing. But Isaiah immediately responds with, woe to me. Woe to me, alas for me, the treacherous deal treacherously. Terror and pit and snare confront you, O inhabitant of the land. So on the one hand, he sees people celebrating and rejoicing in the Lord, and yet he's uh, horrified at what he sees, that the people in the land are going to be utterly laid waste. Uh, Some are fleeing from the pit. And they fall into a snare. And the windows from heaven are open like the floods in Genesis. And the uh, foundations of the land shake. The the land is broken. The land is split through. The land is violently shaken like an earthquake, like shaking all the people and, and killing them all. The land reels to and fro like a drunkard. So it will happen in that day. The Lord will punish the hosts of heaven and the kings of the earth on earth. And they will be gathered together 
like prisoners in a dungeon, confined in prison, and after many days they'll be punished. Remember we talked about that. Of uh, Isaiah sees here that God's going to judge the angelic host and the kings of the earth, and he's going to reserve them in this place until the day when they will be punished. And then the Lord's going to reign on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. He's going to reign in glory before his elders, a glory so bright that the sun and the moon will be ashamed because they're not bright enough to stand in his his light. Then chapter 25, we looked at this yesterday. Uh, Now we have, again, Isaiah, or at least some individual, exalting God for all of this. O Lord, you are my God. I exalt you. I give thanks to your name. Why? For you worked wonders planned long ago with perfect faithfulness. Well, what is it that he did that causes this this, uh, thanksgiving? He made a city into a heap, a fortified city into a ruin. So again, my working hypothesis is that this is Jerusalem that Isaiah sees destroyed. And Isaiah is praising the Lord for, for the destruction of Jerusalem. Why? Well, because remember, Jerusalem had become so wicked and idolatrous, and anyone who actually tried to serve Yahweh faithfully, uh, the, the people were against. The king was against. Uh, Isaiah was persecuted. Other, you know, Jeremiah was persecuted. Other prophets were persecuted. And anyone who, pers- who pursued righteousness and who called the king and, and the Jews to faithfulness, uh, they were mistreated. Violently so. And so as Isaiah here sees God destroying Jerusalem, he actually rejoices and thanks the Lord for wiping out the city and the evil of all those who persecuted the righteous. And he says this is a plan from long ago. And we looked at this from Deuteronomy 32 and even Exodus 31, 32, 33, that God had announced centuries earlier that eventually Israel would become so wicked that he would destroy them. And so Isaiah seeing that ahead of time and he's thanking the Lord, he's rejoicing in God's plan and execution of that plan. It says a palace of uh, strangers is a city no more. And it looks a little bit like my technology is not working. Are y'all seeing me? Okay, let me see if I can get it back up real quick. Maybe it's just on my end. This looks a little different than sometimes what we uh, what we have. Okay, I think I'm back. All right, so I'm going to move forward. Um, therefore, a strong people will glorify. Oh, uh, yeah, I can move on. Uh, a strong people will glorify you. City of ruthless nations will revere you. Uh, so remember we talked about this. This is not glorifying God in the sense of giving him faithful glory, but they are going to recognize that the, the God of Israel is the one who has wiped out all these nations. And now here's, again, part of the gratitude. You have been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy, a refuge from the storm. So as the nations have conquered Jerusalem, so they, they are, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, for instance, as he comes and destroys the city of Jerusalem, God protects the faithful, that remnant, that small group that love the Lord. 
God preserves them and he becomes this, uh, this refuge from the storm. And we saw this uh, in more detail yesterday. And then Isaiah sees this lavish banquet. Remember this? The lavish banquet uh, where God is putting on a feast, a great feast for the remnant, for the survivors uh, as he protected them. And now in the midst of the enemies, he's preparing this wonderful, fat-filled, new wine-flowing feast for his people. And then he sees on the mountain that God is swallowing up a covering. It's overall this veil, and it's death. He swallows up death. So you see the progression. Uh, you've got God predicting judgment on the surrounding nations of Jerusalem, and then judgment on Jerusalem itself with the faithful being preserved. And then God preparing this lavish banquet for those survivors, his people. And then removing death altogether, swallowing up death and wiping every tear away, removing all the reproach. Again, the progression. God's going to judge the enemies of Jerusalem, Philistia, Tyre, Egypt, all those. Then he's going to wipe out Jerusalem itself, except keeping his faithful people. And then he's going to put on a great banquet and take death away. The last enemy. So all the enemies have been removed. The pagan, the heathen, the unbelieving enemies of the surrounding nations. And then the wicked, unbelieving, idolatrous Jews themselves. Those enemies are destroyed. So that all that is left is the faithful, righteous people and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You tracking with me? You see the, see the progression? It'll be said in that day, behold, this is our God from whom we waited that he might save us. The Lord for whom we have waited, let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain and Moab will be trodden down in this place as straw is trodden down. He will spread out his hands in the middle of it. That is, Moab will. The Lord will lay low his pride together with the trickery of his hands. The unassailable fortifications of your walls he will bring down. So we, we've now gone from the lavish banquet and the swallowing up of death to a scene again of Moab, one of the enemies of the Jews, being laid low. Interesting. Interesting, right? So this the progression from the nations all the way down being destroyed to the faithful Jews, and now we're heading back out to the uh, judgment upon Moab and the enemy of God's people. All right, all that leads to chapter 26. And... In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Right? So Judah is like the, um, the county here in Colorado. Colorado Springs is the city, and we're in El Paso County. Jerusalem is the city. Judah is like the county, right? And this is the, the southern kingdom. So we're back to Judah, which... He already talked about the destruction, devastation, wiping out of them. 
But then there's going to be this song that Judah's going to sing. And here's the song. We have a strong city. He, God, sets up walls and ramparts for security. Literally, this is the word salvation. He sets up walls and ramparts for salvation. So interesting. We've had the destruction of the enemies, the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah. We've seen the preservation of a remnant. We've seen death defeated. Now we have this song back in the land of Judah. And what is the song about? A strong city. These are the lyrics. We have a strong city. Well, how can that be? Judah's been destroyed. Jerusalem has been wiped out. It appears that God is making a new Jerusalem. A new city, a city of strength, literally. And God is setting up walls and ramparts. You know what ramparts are? You've seen Lord of the Rings uh, and other you know, older war movies uh, where you've got the, the big walls that are wide enough that you can walk across them and you can set up your, uh, uh, your weapons and you know, shoot arrows and heave rocks and, and stones and things down from the top. Uh, kind of like uh, Helm's Deep, if you remember from Lord of the Rings. That's what he's saying. He's going he's gonna to set up walls and ramparts to save his people. Now we have a city of strength. God has built up a city of strength in Judah. See that? This is the land of Judah. So a new Jerusalem, which is seen again and again in the New Testament. Uh, Keith says, after 586 or 70 AD? Great question. That is the question, isn't it? Well, let me answer that question this way. In 586, after 586, 70 years later, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, you can read about this in your Bible, Nehemiah and Ezra were part of bringing Jews back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city with some protective walls, right? But they were never free and independent again. Uh, they, they had just a very brief period under the Maccabean revolt where Israel was, was an independent nation, for lack of a better word, but they, calling them a nation may be a little bit uh, hopeful, a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit positive, uh, optimistic. But apart from that little brief period, they were under the rule of others. So yeah, they had, they were able to rebuild some, some strength here, but not the kind of thing where you would say they have become a strong city. And that led all the way to when the Romans destroyed them again in 70 AD, which is what Keith is referring to here. And they never built up walls again after that. They never rebuilt and became a strong city. So what does the New Testament come along and tell us about the New Jerusalem? We are the New Jerusalem. The church. It's no longer about a physical city, right? 
In Galatians 4, Paul is arguing that the physical Jews, the the genetic Jews, or I should say ethnic Jews of his day, they are not part of the new Jerusalem or the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, Trying to decide how much I want to get into this. Um, He says here, this is allegorically speaking for these women, Sarah and Hagar, are two covenants. One from Mount Sinai, that's ethnic Israel. That's the present Jerusalem, meaning the Jerusalem of Paul's day, the, the city itself. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. So without getting into all the details of Galatians 4 here, he's saying ethnic Israel and the actual earthly city of Jerusalem in the first century is from Hagar and she produces slaves, but we Christians, the, the Christian Galatians, even the Gentiles who are not who were not born Jewish, who have come to faith in Jesus, their mother is the Jerusalem above. Think about, uh, did I put it here? Uh, okay, so Peter says, uh, you are a chosen race, speaking to Christians, not biological Jews, but Christians. You are a chosen race, which was a term used to describe ethnic Israel. You are a royal priesthood, another uh, word to describe in the Old Testament to describe ethnic Israel. You are a holy nation. Peter here is describing or, or talking to the church, not any, um, uh, not any country, not any um, uh, nation. Uh, of of that like has borders and a capital and a government. No, he's talk, talking to Christians. Says you are a holy nation. Uh, there's a couple more here. Did I put them on? Let me uh, remember Hebrews twelve. What uh, what verse is that? Um, so here in, in Hebrews twelve, he says you speaking again to Christians have come to Mount Zion. How many times have we seen Mount Zion in uh, in Hebrews? I mean, <laughs> in in Isaiah, the Lord's going to reign on Mount Zion, right? Mount Zion is going to be raised up against all the other mountains. You have come, not will come, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the what? The heavenly Jerusalem. And then, of course, Revelation, um, Revelation 3, I think it's verse 12, yes. Uh, so Jesus here is talking uh, is talking to Philadelphia, the, the church, and he says, I'm coming quickly, hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him my name and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God and my new name. And of course, we have the, the, the famous, um, oh, I'm frozen again, aren't I? 
I don't know, I'm frozen on your end? <laughs> That's weird. Um, we have the famous uh, Revelation 21, 22, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. She's made herself ready like a bride for the bridegroom. So all that's very interesting. And and you're probably familiar with that idea that the new Jerusalem is the church, but we always think of it as almost entirely future. But these passages in the New Testament uh, are not future, they're current. You are part of the Jerusalem from above. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. And then here it looks like Isaiah is seeing this strong city that God has built with protections. Now we're going to go on and we'll come back and, and see this tomorrow. Uh, he's going to go on and describe the people living in this new Jerusalem, or at least this strong city. I don't want to assume because he doesn't call it the new Jerusalem, but it's in Judah. So I think I think we can say it's, the, it's, a, it's Jerusalem rebuilt. And he describes uh, persevering through opposition. So it's probably not the 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 next age, the, the glorified state that he's talking about. So interesting. Just want to kind of bring you up to speed on my working hypothesis here and uh, and see if it makes sense to you. So if you have questions or comments, leave them in the comments on this video and I'd be happy to, to receive them. Uh, and have a great day. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a good day. You live in a strong city made by King Jesus. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.